You're listening to American Songcatcher, tracing the roots of American music from its cultured past to today's artists playing it forward. I'm folk musician Nicholas Edward Williams. Today, I'm sharing a conversation that I had with American Roots singer and guitarist Seth Walker, who has spent the last 20 years putting out incredibly diverse records, inspired by early blues, jazz, folk, rhythm and blues, rock and roll, early country, and anything else that he's been able to gobble up. We talked about his unique childhood, raised among a community of Quakers, the constant evolution of self and artistry, his love for writing not just music but a recent book, his newest record, and the deep changes that surfaced before, during, and after. And, as usual, we geeked out on some music history. Enjoy. All right, this is American Songcatcher. Today I'm talking with Mr. Seth Walker. Uh, what was your childhood like? Does music run in your family? Oh, yeah. My... Well, both of my parents, my mom and dad, are both Suzuki music teachers. Suzuki? Yeah. It's a, I don't know if you ever heard of it, but it's um, it's an ear training music method um, originated by a, a Japanese teacher, Dr. Suzuki. Um, and it essentially starts with uh, like clinical training, a little star. I mean, and you start, you know, you know typically you start you know, kids very young. I started when I was five. My sister started when she was three. Wow. Yeah. So that's kind of the culture of it. And my, anyway, my parents, uh, you know, they, you know, they grew up playing music. They met in, in music school, East Carolina and, um, you know, dedicated most of their, all of their life still to this day, uh, playing and teaching music. So I, I kind of did, I did grow up in it. And, um, also outside of my parents, you know, my, my, my uncle was a jazz bassist and my grandfather was a clarinetist. And so there's definitely music I was born into it. You know. I've met your mom several times, uh, at down at Swanee. Um, you know, I grew up playing music there as well, um, at different festivals. I'll actually be there with you in October at the Roots Fest. Um, but my wife, especially, she's taking yoga classes from your mom for, shoot, I don't even know how long. Now, who, now you might be thinking of somebody different, because my mom has never been to Swanee. Oh, she hasn't. Uh, Isn't your mom you Brenda Starwalker? No, that's actually, that's, um, that's my aunt. Um, that's your aunt. Okay. Former aunt. Yeah. My, she, okay. she was married, formerly married to my uncle Landon. Yeah. Okay. She brags on you so much. I literally <laughs> thought she was your mom. <laughs> I'll take all the moms I can get. Yeah. I mean, why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I mixed that up. Shoot. No, it's all good. I love, I love Brenda. Yeah. Uh, so what kind of music did they play in the house growing up? Well, I mean, you know, we grew up playing let me let me let me let me let me ask you are you talking about what we played or what we listened to 
Well, now I need to change the question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you listen to first, and then what did you play? Okay. Well, let's see. I mean, most of the music that was being played at the house, um, which was a unique situation, because I don't know if, if Kevin briefed you on this, but I, I grew up in a, with another family in a commune. Briefly, it was a yes. Quaker Quaker commune. So it was two two families living communally. Um, so I had kind of two sets of parents and two sets of siblings. And um, but it just so happened that Jim, my godfather, um, he loved he loved Texas country music. He loved. I think Willie Nelson was probably, you know, some of the fir- first early memories I have. Um, country music, some folk music. Um, kind of your 60s and 70s variety of folk? Yeah, you know, Loggins and Messina. I remember that. I remember <laughs> that record specifically. I remember as a kid looking at that at that cover of that. Splish Splash, I was taking a bath. I remember that. <laughs> and... Um, they loved Jimmy Buffett. They loved, I mean, it was like Neil Diamond. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he just got really, really eaten up with the Beatles. So I remember, I remember that stuff going, but there wasn't a whole lot of rock and roll. There wasn't, and there wasn't any black music. Very, yeah. I mean, not hardly at all. I mean, maybe just a few little records that would peek through. But it was mostly kind of country music. And what music did you all play then? Well, we played, I mean, essentially, you know, classical songs and folk songs. So we yeah. played, as I mentioned earlier, we, we started off with little uh, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, <laughs> and then we went to all the variations of that. And, then, and the Suzuki method has, for violin, it has 10 books. For cello, at the time, it had six books, you know, obviously, and it goes you know, from easy to more difficult. Um, And I got through book four. So I would play, you know, everything from, you know, Bach pieces or Beethoven pieces, the Vivaldi, you you know, it it ran the gamut. That's the kind of stuff that we played, mostly, mostly classical music. I didn't, I didn't play any, um, Anything that was off the page. <laughs> How did that impact you and kind of shape you early on, that sort of upbringing? Um, I think, you know, you know, we're reflecting back on it now. Um, you know, it impact. I didn't realize the impact. <laughs> um, well, the whole, the whole ideology uh, or portal, if you will, is is silence mm-hmm. as you may have known experienced yes yes um, which i always you know as in my adult life has always resonated a lot more with that you know my father my father and mother as well always loved eastern philosophy and resonated with that school and i think when he saw that the quakers were you know not just you know bombastic and um just talking mm-hmm. 
And he's like, he goes, I thought that that was when the spirit, that's the only time the spirit's ever going to come through is when you silence. And so I think that's why he liked the Quaker stuff. He's like, okay, this, this is cool. And so um, as I look back on it now, I guess to answer your question, um, that kind of uh, the thoughtfulness and the, 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 temp, the tempered <laughs> approach um, also mixed with nature. Like I lived, in, I lived in nature. So I lived out in the woods about 15 acres of land. Mm-hmm. And I think just with all of that mixed together, but maybe most importantly is the alternative way of the way that they were living their lives. You know, I mean, having a commune with nine people sharing money <laughs> um, <laughs> and ideas is uh, not the norm. Right. And I think as, as I look back on that, I, I, you know, I think it's been really um, instrumental in, or at least to, you know, try to, try to point myself away from the status quo. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. I remember the, the meanings of being very meditative. Yes. Uh, and the, the quality of um, understanding how important silence can be. Uh, it was a bit of a reframe for me going there. Um, realizing that uh you know i i didn't, I'd never thought about the concept of spirit coming through you when you're silent and kind of allowing you know the energies to flow around you or the uh you, you shut your brain off as much as you can obviously you can't fully turn it off but um it was a really that was a really cool experience for me and my wife to because we we've, we've been meditators for mm. uh several years um albeit not great meditators nobody really is that great at anyways but uh, yeah, it was a, it was a really refreshing uh, experience. So I was just curious about that. Um, yeah. So what did you when you became a teenager? You know, all, all of us seem to rebel at some point from what we grew up listening to, or maybe we just find our own way to go about things. And what did you start listening to when you were a teenager? Did you have any of those rebellion moments? Oh yeah, very much so. I I got just hooked on rap music i loved it i mean i i loved i would, man i had my little break dancing pad <laughs> ideas shell tops with the fat laces the parachute pants um you know so i listened to <laughs> i mean i listened to nwa mm-hmm. i listened to epmd i listened to uh, of course, Run DMC mm-hmm. uh, was probably the first. You know, they were they were pretty pioneer. Um, all that stuff, Heavy D, <laughs> uh, yeah. Rob Bass. I remember that hit. It takes two and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Um, and then you know, a little bit later came, you know, Tribe Called Quest and all that stuff. But. Um, yeah, that that was my that was my rebel. I don't, I never really got into rock. Like a lot of my friends, really loved rock. You know, they loved Zeppelin and mm-hmm. and even some of the heavier, you know, Metallica and all that kind of stuff. And I just I just never really got into it that much. I think I liked. I've always loved the rip, just 
black music. Like I've just always loved the rhythm of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's what I was rebel- rebelling with. Uh, what year were you born? I was born in 72. 72. Okay. So when did you start learning guitar then? Uh, not until college. Not until college. Okay. Were no, you pl- you were playing music beforehand though, right? Playing the cello. Cello. Okay. Playing the cello. And I, and until about the age of 16. And that's, that's when I quit. So that was also a form of rebellion against my parents. Right. Um, just, and I was into sports. I was, I love tennis. I was eating up with that and played soccer poorly, but I still loved it. And, um, my father did have a guitar. He was kind of a, you know, he was, he was kind of a mighty wind guy. Like he, you know, he loved all that folky stuff. And so Mm -hmm. I would see him strumming and, and I'm, I'm, and I picked it up a little bit, but I never learned really what the hell I was doing. Um, (laughs) Still really don't, but uh, it it wasn't until college where like some guys in my dorm were playing. And I think one of the reasons maybe why I resonated with it so much was it was because something that I found, you know, not that my parents wasn't like taught with an iron fist by any means or, you know, shoved down my throat. Yeah. But it was something that we just, I was just born into and it was just, you know, it wasn't something necessarily that I discovered. And I think when I found guitar, not only the, the type of music that I was first leaning into the blues and stuff, but um, it was just the notion that it was mine. Something that was, you know, I had discovered. Yeah. I think that's important when you're coming of age to find things that are about you or about your journey. Yeah. And, and doesn't, you know, I think it's nice to, collaborate in some ways on your journey with other people and to be influenced or inspired um, by your parents or by people that are close to you. But it's really important for you to find, I don't, I don't know how else you get into something so deeply, unless if it's something that you, only you make the impetus, impetus for that you yeah. put your forward yeah. momentum at. Um, so did you, do you want to play something that um, kind of hits on those early days? Or something that inspired you early on that uh, kind of made you say, this is something I want to do with my life? Well, as far as the guitar stuff, you know, um, that, that, you know, when I first heard Eric Clapton mm. and, I, and, and Hendrix and Stevie Ray Vaughan, now, that's what I first got into. And they were all obviously, blue, you know, coming from blues. Mm-hmm. And I think it was Eric Clapton who endorsed a Robert Johnson um, box set, the complete Robert Johnson recordings. And um, that's when my uncle, who was a DJ uh, and radio host, he heard that I was digging on Robert Johnson. And he goes, oh, hell, we got a live one here. So he starts sending me (laughs) all these tapes. That's actually Brenda's. Okay. Husband. Ex. Yeah. Gotcha. My, my uncle. And so he started sending me all of these tapes of, I mean, it was everybody. It was like T-Bone to 
Muddy to Robert Nighthawk to the Miss to the Mississippi John Hurt to Blount Willie McTell to it ran the gamut and mm-hmm. those those tapes man I would just drive back and forth in my little Volkswagen Rabbit and listen to those tapes and Trouble in Mind is one that I remember listening to um, and it kind of um, the way I do it is kind of a mixture of a, a Piedmont style and also like a like a lightning lightning Hopkins, uh, the blues Texas style. blues style. Yep. Yeah. It's funny listening to you now and, and, and hearing about your Quaker life because I hear that that patience in your voice more. I hear that not rushing into each note. I hear that, you know, sliding in and the ease and the kind of softness and allowing. There's a, a real ebb and flow to your voice that kind of speaks me, to me a little dif- differently now that I know that you had that upbringing, sure. which is a, an interesting little thing. Uh, did you ever have, did, have you had a mentor before? A mentor. Oh, I've had I've had many. Um, are you meaning Are you meaning in a musical context or? Yeah, 
Yeah, in a musical context. Gosh, I've had. Just think about this. I've had um, got so many, so many teachers. Um, <laughs> um, I wrote about this some in my book. That was one thing that I I did in the COVID thing. I was kind of going back and reliving <laughs> mm-hmm. some of my childhood and and thinking about. Um, moments I've had, um, and, and when I, I guess, you know, the, the mentoring thing, you know, a lot of my mentors, maybe I haven't really been around that much, but their music mentored me. Sure. Um, you know, Alan Toussaint is somebody who, I mean, I have, I did, I did play two shows with him and I got to play with him and, and stuff. And just the, the little bit of interaction that I had with someone like that, uh, was, was, um, that's a mentorship right there. That was a pretty, was a mentorship. <laughs> I mean, talk about someone who, who, um, you know, really has patience and, um, lots of space in his music. And just the way he delivers so so gently, I love, I've always loved that about him. Um, but there there were some there were some musicians, you know. When I moved to Austin in 1995, uh, Austin was a lot more of a small town than it is mm-hmm. now, right. and it had this really tight knit music community, specifically. Or at least the, the circle that I was in was a blues circle. It was like there was these blues jams, and we all cut our teeth together, and we all learned from one another. Um, and there was a guitar player. <laughs> His name was Matteo Basicio. He was Italian, and he oh he it was tough love though, man. He 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 he, he basically taught me how to swing. He taught me, I mean, I, the first, the first gig I ever played really in Austin, I was actually playing bass in this little band. He was playing guitar and we were doing covers of, uh, Nat King Cole and Amos mm-hmm. Milburn, Louis Jordan, this kind of jump blues kind of stuff. For whatever reason, he was very instrumental in, in my early development. He was, he would be such an ass to me sometimes. He'd be like, he was like, he'd be like. Cause I was I was playing T Bone Walker, and I was trying to do T Bone Walker, and he would be like, "Seth, play me your best T Bone Walker," and I would play a lick, and he'd be like, "I never heard T Bone play that bullshit." <laughs> <laughs> and then and then he made me go back and listen a little bit more, and I listened, and I wasn't swinging it right, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he just shot it to you straight. Oh, man, I had, there was a couple other ones that happened like that, you know, that people just gave me the goods and I had to go back to the drawing board. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not often that you find mentors that'll just coddle you, so. Exactly. <laughs> it, was, it was effective for nothing else. Right. Um, but um, I'm trying to think of some other, um, God, yeah, just... I mean, my, 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 both of my parents are really, I mean, I mean, my father is, is an amazing musician. I mean, he's a, he's a composer, um, and has so much feel and creativity. 
uh, within his um, within his music and just his way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, can, I, I can I can safely put him on that list <laughs> of mentorship. And, and my mother, yeah. So you just released your eleventh record. Yeah. I hope I know. It was just a few days ago as we're taping this, as we're recording here. And I know that you, like many other folks, recently have gone through some life changes in this process. Uh, just tell me a little bit about what inspired this record and then time and place of your life while you were making it. Well, um, I was, um, I had started kind of messing with it just uh, with no real direction or plan, uh, just kind of just messing in the studio right before COVID hit. And, um, and then is that all, everything kind of grounded to a halt there, um, for personally, um, all of us, obviously, um, that's when I started working on my book. Right. Um, and then, I mean, I, I know (laughs) that the microscope, uh, that we were all under and, you know, we were forced to... (laughs) To look at things in some in new ways, and um, so I think it really and and not to and also the limitations that it that have dealt, I think actually forced us or or me to uh, approach uh, the songwriting and how I was going to record and how I was ultimately going to relate to how I was going to live inside the music mm. uh, changed. Um, I don't know. Like sometimes I look back, man. I'm like, I was like, where, where, where have I been? Like, like I've been moving so fast, you know. Like, was I even at that recording session mm-hmm. that I did in the past, or was I even at that gig? You know. And so, you know, obviously it was a lot of a lot of uneasiness and pain and and disease and sickness and, and awful, awful, awful things. Um, but I, I needed to slow down. Mm-hmm. I, th- I needed to slow down and I, and I was forced to, um, uh, you know, I was in a relation, long-term relationship and that was struggling and, and we, and we had to, co- we had to come to grips that we needed to separate, um, in the middle of that as well. So all of these things, um, kind of ha- happened at one time in addition to me moving away to Asheville, to North Carolina. So it's kind of a triple whammy there. Yeah. Um, I'm searching for, searching for answers and, and, and also just, you know, surrendering to the ones that I know I'm not going to be able to answer. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a lot, um, on your plate. It was, it was, it was, it was, I can't say it was a tricky, um, Definitely, definitely, definitely a challenge. But the music um, was was ultimately the the rope I hung onto. You know, through all that, so I was very thankful to have to have that, yeah, have that outlet and to be able to express myself through that. And that's huge. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, it's just getting stuffed down. I think you mentioned something extremely important that um, I noticed almost immediately as well of uh, the the actual need to slow down and to realizing that, you know, the pace of life was 
perhaps not sustainable. Uh, but it was, you know, a necessary time to take a pause. Yeah. Um, albeit, you know, it was uh, unfortunate for many, many people that it happened in the way it did. Yeah. But without that pause, I think a lot of us would be finding ourselves burned out or. Yeah. And same patterns. You know, a, lot, a lot of times these patterns, you don't even realize. Oh, yeah. You do obviously they can't call it pattern for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I'll be, I'll be honest. I've listened to your music before. This record um, really stands out to me for several reasons. It's extremely tasty. Uh, it's it got a variety of sounds, um, and I'm a pretty, in, you know, intent and critical listener. And I'm always, I'm a bit hesitant to cast records like this under you know, an umbrella, like, uh, umbrella terms like Americana, you clearly hear a lot of blues tones. There's, uh, tinges of jazz and gospel. Mm-hmm. And, um, I even hear a lot of folk music, which potentially now sounds like might've come from your father at some point. Yeah. And there's always, like you were talking about the rhythm, um, always being something that resonates with you. And you can hear that, um, as an undercurrent. And, if you could you pinpoint anybody musician wise or style wise that has influenced the making of this one, or did it seem like it was coming out of you like a you know like a purge? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's weird man i I didn't there there was no <laughs> no, <laughs> no <thoughts. real> thought. <laughs> there was no there was no plan the no plan plan is what it was sure you know I mean also like with any record, there was many things I tried that did not. <laughs> make the record or go very well um sure or, di- or didn't resonate so there's actually a couple of songs i really love that just didn't quite fit with this this call it 10 collection of 10 um but you know they're they're i think um you know all these different styles uh, of not only music um but i think Growing up in this communal thing, I never really maybe connected these dots until this record. Like all the different situations that I found myself in with all these different types of people, you know. Mm-hmm. And I've always been pretty, uh, pretty serious case of wanderlust. I've lived all over. I lived in Austin and Nashville, New Orleans and New York, back to Nashville and then back to Asheville. Lived in Jacksonville, Florida for a little while in the early days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've all, I've always liked different different styles of of of, of uh, different places and different people. Obviously, different different cultures, yeah. Different cultures, yeah. And um, and this music and this album is is probably you know just falls in line with with my whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, but there's I mean the blue the blue language the the blues that kind of cornerstone of where I pull from is there. Ala Fukatara is a, a, as a, is a African West African guitar player. And the first track, I definitely pull a lot from his, his style of music, his guitar playing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the Caribbean stuff like hope no has this, uh, you know, I don't know how hell I don't even know, uh, where that really comes from it that kind of has an african kind of vibe as well islandy african thing mm-hmm. um and um jazz 
I just, I just, you know, like, why do I cry? I, I actually wrote originally as a kind of a jazzy swing tune, and then I kind of re rerouted it into this kind of groove. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I'm getting away from your question, but no, I think you're hitting it. I think it's, it's a, uh, it's clear that it, it's a, uh, it comes from your eclectic interests, and it seems to have just seeped out of you without you really trying to do it not aiming to seek those sounds out, but those sounds coming out of you because that's what you took in. Yeah. That's what I took in. And, and at that time, uh, thematically, <laughs> um, above the stylistically, uh, they were all kind of this, this, you know, um, they all spoke to me where I was in my life, you know, yeah. I mean, probably the most autobiographical, uh, account, uh, collection of tunes that I've ever been a part of. You know, I've always tried to, I've always, I've written most of my music through the years. Mm -hmm. but I think, <laughs> I think I probably was submerged in, in this album deeper than any. Well, that's what I, that's what I was just about to ask you. Um, you know, through 11 records and how long, I don't know how long your career has been through those 11 records, but I imagine that there's been a, a pretty substantial evolution if you look back from your first record up until here, or maybe there's not, uh, but from an, from an artist's perspective, you know, what is that what sticks out to you most is that this one, you've been, you were more submersed in it. You were more there or you were more, is, is it just like the, the, more, the, the greatest representation uh, record wise? Yeah. I mean, I mean, one thing I have learned in 11 albums or in hell, 25 years of doing that, my first record came out in 1997, mm -hmm. is that they're, they're just, <laughs> it's an exercise in, in letting go of these things, because a lot of times it's hard to let go of these things, you know. Sure. Um, is there just snapshots, you know, of where I was, at, you know, at that time, you know, that's where I was all, through all 11 of them. Right. You know, my first, my first efforts were, I was just, you know, <laughs> getting schooled by the Italian guy on how, how I wasn't swinging quite right. <laughs> and so my first efforts were kind of, you know, trying to, trying to find, find a voice. I mean, hell, I didn't even have a voice in this, in my first, um, three or four albums. I don't think it was until my self-titled self-titled record where I actually went, Oh, okay. Maybe I have a voice in this. Mm -hmm. Cause the first one I felt like I was just, God, just, you know, feeling around in the dark. Yeah. Just, just, just searching. I mean, it's, it's a continued thing, but obviously, but I do think that, um, kind of with the culmination though, with, where where we all were and this and just all of the life events that were happening around this record i i've never had more of a um this kind of <laughs> um raw emotional it was like this incubator that i was in you know i don't think i've ever experienced anything like that channeled into an album mm. I think that probably separates it from the rest of them. Do you want to you want to play something from that new record? Sure. Uh, let's see. 
Why don't we do um why don't we do Peace in the Valley? Yeah. Um it's the last song on the record. A song I wrote with my friend Oliver Wood, which I think you've interviewed as well, huh? I have. Oh yeah. I mean he there's there's a there's there's a mentor mm-hmm. that I you know has been I mean we he produced an album of mine. I've written a lot of songs with him and I remember, you know, watching him listening and watching him and getting to know him and inspired by the notion that you can take roots music <laughs> as your core and have a creative spin on it. That is, that is yours and your voice. And he does that just about as good as anyone. I completely agree with you. Yeah. So yeah, we'll, um, yeah, man, we'll do, we'll do this one now. Because I think we all need this. Is a, send this one out to um, people in Texas as well and all over the world. We need some peace in the valley. Show us a sign from above can't take no more we need some peace in the valley we've been up and on need 
some peace in the valley. Taking us to church. Love that. All right. Let's do some fun questions. Uh, This podcast aims to bridge the gap for people who otherwise might not be exposed to old music. And I always ask this question. If you had to pick one musician as a gateway to music of the past, who would it be and why? Let's see. A musician, a gateway to the past. Yeah. And it can be any kind of genre, any genre you're thinking of. Yeah. Um, that might be, gosh, um, I, I, I guess I would say an artist like, like, oh God, let's see, <laughs> maybe Timon <laughs> Walker. Mm. Um, I mean, gosh, I mean, not only was he a you know, complete pioneer, but he, he brought so many influences into his music. There was this, the lowdown thing. There was the, uh, the uptown, there was the, um, the guitar, the, the, that, um, the rhythm. It was all these different rhythms that he was incorporating inside of his solos that were worldly. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a gospel um, influence. He had some country. Uh, he was from Linden, Texas, out in the country. Um, I guess. I guess it might be him. Um, that's a tough damn question, though. <laughs> So many, God. I I like, as, I, as I was saying that, I was like, Hank Williams. Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> on and on. That's the best part about that question is, you know, there's no wrong answer. Ray Charles, Willie Nelson. Right, right. No, pretty hard to pick that one. So in the traditional music realm, what do you gravitate most to as a listener? I, I gravitate towards um, old jazz. That's usually what I like, for instance. Yesterday, I'm driving down the road and I'm listening to Kenny Burrell or Billie Holiday. I love all those, God, those all those records with Billie Holiday and Lester Young and those mm-hmm. just titans, titans of jazz. There's something about that. I don't know what it is, man. I could listen to jazz ballads. Like, <laughs> I could do people are like god how do you drive down the road and just listen to ballad after ballad after ballad i'm like i don't know man it gives gives me energy i think it's because it's i don't know it's very calming it's calming like that early jazz stuff is is some of the most versatile musically versatile sounds while remaining extremely calming 
um, with, with all the, you know, the gravitas and everything that comes with those voices. Also, it's some Billy's voices, especially, uh, my son wakes up at like 6am every day mm-hmm. and I either put on Billy holiday, Ella Fitzgerald or Louis Armstrong That's so, great. so that he gets that just in his bones. Oh my God. I can't believe you just said Louis Armstrong. That's who I should have said. <laughs> yeah, I Damn it. Uh, we can cut that in That's later. 